0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where a GOP icon is stepping down, but not stepping aside. Max Stepanovich is no longer lobbying, but he has begun writing columns for his old nemesis, the Tampa Bay Times. He joins us in the studio to talk about the transition. Backers of one of the constitutional amendments to legalize the recreational use of marijuana in Florida say they are not going to make it to the ballot next year. They don't have enough signatures and time is running out. The governor travels to the University of Miami to brag about his picks for the Florida Supreme Court and to announce seven new judicial appointments in Miami-Dade, four in the county court, three in the circuit court. Attorney General Ashley Moody presides over a meeting of the Statewide Council on Human Trafficking. They'll have their work cut out for them next year at the Super Bowl and WrestleMania in Tampa. We'll also have your calendar of events and the latest news from Florida Man. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, December 17th. One of the men who helped the Florida Republican Party take control of state government has retired from his gig as a lobbyist. Max Stepanovich was the Florida campaign manager for Ronald Reagan in 84. Two years later, he ran the campaign of Bob Martinez, who became only the second Republican elected as governor since Reconstruction after the Civil War. Stepanovich says there was no way they should have won that race, but they didn't know that yet, and things just sort of fell into place after four years as chief of staff for the governor stepanovich went into lobbying and he's been a fixture at the capitol for the past 30 years but he's one of those rare republicans who refuses to drink the
1: donald trump brand of kool-aid i am worried about our democracy i I know this sounds melodramatic but i believe that we are at what are what are all the cliches an inflection point a watershed moment in american history A tipping point. a tipping point i believe donald trump is an existential threat to American democracy as it has existed until now.
0: In the spirit of full disclosure, you should know I was an independent radio reporter and president of the Capitol Press Corps when Martinez was elected governor. So yeah, Stepanovich and I have crossed swords before. You'll hear more from Mac during our interview later in the podcast. One of the two major campaigns to put recreational marijuana on the Florida ballot next year is giving up on 2020. In an email to supporters, leaders of the Regulate Florida ballot initiative admitted they would not be able to collect enough signatures before the deadline on February 1st. The group has more than 92,000 verified signatures. They need more than 766,000 to make the ballot. Vice Chair Karen Goldstein says they're very disappointed but are not giving up. Now the only amendment still in play is the Make It Legal Amendment. It's being financed by two of the biggest medical marijuana companies in the country, MedMen and Parallel. Their amendment is rather self-serving in that it would allow established companies like themselves to distribute recreational pot as they do medical pot. The Board of Regulate Florida has not made a decision on whether to support the Make It Legal Amendment. The statewide Council on Human Trafficking met in West Palm Beach and Attorney General Ashley Moody says people are starting to notice that Florida is getting serious about the crime.
2: Since our last meeting, uh, I announced Florida's score of 94 grade A. Uh, I know that law enforcement around the state that uh, works with human trafficking survivors was very proud of that grade. But that does not mean we will stop our efforts uh, or let up we got a 94 grade. So what that meant to me when I was younger is I needed to work harder to get a 100. <laughs> so that's what we'll shoot for uh, in Florida.
0: Human Trafficking Awareness Month is just around the corner. And Moody says they'll be put to the test early next year by two major sporting events that, well, quite frankly, they draw hookers and human traffickers like a magnet.
2: Remember uh, that Human Trafficking Awareness Month is in January. Uh, I'm hoping that every council member already knows the hotline number. Eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. If you don't, it should be memorized. <laughs> and share it on social media. Everyone here, I would ask you to do the same. I know I was encouraging on everyone to uh, bring up focus and awareness and education uh, because knowledge is really the only way that we will stop this. Law enforcement cannot do it alone. The community has to be our eyes and ears. And you can help us recruit more eyes and ears uh, and so we can end this crime. Uh, If we all work together, coming up to Super Bowl 54 on February the 2nd, we'll make a large dent in those law enforcement efforts. Uh, We are going to also be working hand-in-hand with Sheriff Cronister leading up to Wrestlemania on April the 5th. And no, we're not expecting you to wrestle, (laughs) but we are expecting you to wrestle the bad guys when you find them. So now uh, we only have two months until the Super Bowl. It is no time uh, to slow down. We will not here on the council. We ask that those are here with us today and those that are watching uh, in Florida, please be alert. Please help us. Please let us know if you have information so we can stop this horrific abuse of of Floridians and and others from outside our state that are brought in uh, for this horrible uh, criminal enterprise.
0: Florida ranks third in the nation in the number of calls to the National Human Trafficking Hotline. The governor travels to the University of Miami to appoint more judges. Ron DeSantis named three new circuit judges and four new county judges for Miami-Dade, and it gave him the chance to brag on two of the justices he appointed to the Florida Supreme Court being bumped upstairs to the Federal Appeals Court in Atlanta.
3: Uh, When I became governor, I had uh, uh, three picks for the Supreme Court, and of the three, I chose two justices who were from Miami. Uh, We chose Barbara Lagoa and Robert Luck, who were both on the Third District Court of Appeals. And... um, They did such a good job on the Florida Supreme Court that less than a year after being appointed to to those positions, uh, they were nominated, confirmed, and appointed to the federal 11th Circuit Court of Appeals uh, based in Atlanta. And if you follow kind of how these judges, federal judges, work at the circuit level and you see some of the political clashes that can happen, what was remarkable is that they kind of went through that process and, like, no one could really lay a glove on them because even if you disagree with their philosophy, they were so accomplished and so clearly knowledgeable in the law that they were both overwhelmingly confirmed. And that does not happen as much in this day and age um, as it may have been in years past. And so. Um, that just showed me from the appointment on my appointment on you know there's a lot of great legal talent um, down here in in south florida and in miami and so we wish them uh, the best Um, but we also know that there's a whole uh, bumper crop of people down here um, who really are doing a good job and so today that's the announcement that that we're going to make is that i had uh, recently been given um, a list of candidates uh, for seven judicial vacancies in Miami-Dade County. And if you look from the Supreme Court Justice, some of the appeals, some of the trial, we've appointed a bunch of folks in Miami-Dade already, but now you have seven appointments, three for the Circuit Court, and four for Miami-Dade County Court. and. Um, You know, I think that the the candidates were were strong overall, uh, but I think these uh, seven were were really strong, and I think that they're going to do a good job for the people uh, of South Florida. And ultimately, uh, what we're looking for with judges, obviously aptitude, understanding the law, being smart, uh, but being willing to apply the law faithfully, Irrespective of political ideology or political considerations, and um, and do it consistently and predictably. And I think all seven of these judges have what it takes to do it. And what I really like is, you know, they got a very diverse set of experiences in terms of their their work in the legal profession. Congratulations to all the the new judges. Um, I think that. Uh, Miami Dade will be well served uh, by their dedication to the law and uh, and, and public spiritness, and uh, I uh, wish them success, uh, a continued success on the bench for the county judges that are going up to circuit, and then obviously success uh, for our practitioners who are now going to be able to to don the judicial robe and uh, and be a part of uh, of the judiciary. I think it's uh, these are important positions, and we really need great people to be willing to step up and do it. And I will be. Um, I don't know exactly the timing, but the way these uh, current Supreme Court vacancies work is there does need to be a justice chosen from from Miami uh, for the next two. So I can't tell you when, but there's a good chance that we'll end up down here. So I shall return. So thank you all for coming. Appreciate it.
0: The commission that will select a final list of nominees for that Supreme Court position is expected to make its recommendations to DeSantis as early as January. Next up, a conversation with Max Stepanovich, who led the GOP assault on Tallahassee and helped turn a once blue state bright red. During his time at the Capitol, the outspoken lobbyist was renowned for his combativeness, also known as the Mac attack. And he's not happy with where the GOP is going in the era of Donald Trump. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics.
2: A lot of people give their opinions on politics and not just the talking heads on cable news. Everyone has an opinion. Sometimes a gentleman's wager can be the best way to tell how much someone believes their own spin. That's why you should check out what Predict It is doing. Predict It is like the stock market, but for politics. Instead of buying and selling oil futures, you can buy and sell shares in everything from who the Democratic nominee will be to if the president will be impeached. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo F-L-A-P-O-L.
0: Welcome back to Sunrise, our guest today. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have this guy in the studio because we used to cross swords back in the 80s. Max Stepanovich. Mac and I first met back when he came to town running the Bob Martinez for governor campaign. He was a Republican at a time when Democrats ruled the roost here in Tallahassee. It was unheard of, and he pulled it off. One of the biggest upsets, I think, in, in Florida gubernatorial history, and he has been a constant factor here in Tallahassee ever since. Max
1: Stepanovich. Great to have you here on Sunrise. Well, I'm glad to be here, Rick, and you're exactly right. I told someone today that um, you had been one of my nemeses in the old days and that time heals everything. It's kind of strange, too. When you look
0: back, the people you respect most after all these years are the ones that you had a philosophical disagreement with. I think that's sort of because you see your allies at their worst. You see your adversaries at their best.
1: I think that's right. I think that's right. I have never... As you know, I've always liked um, the give and take with the press. Oh, absolutely. And have um, – can't think of a single member of the press, including some who just eviscerated me, um, that I disliked. Can I tell you how refreshing
0: that attitude is? Because it doesn't exist nowadays. Well. It's, there's it, there's a, a lot
1: of anger going on out there in politics and the media these days. Yes, I can see it. And to, to be honest um, – what I said about uh, members of the media over the last three or four decades, right. does not necessarily apply to uh, everyone in politics in America today. I have a fair amount of anger myself these days. Ah, okay. Well, we'll let you vent a little bit of that anger right now. But uh, first of all, I just I,
0: I wanted to start off by getting your. Re- I mean, the big news today is that you have resigned. You
1: are officially no longer a lobbyist here in the Capitol. I can't. What's that now? About thirty years. I came here, we run the election with um, Bob Martinez, then mayor of Tampa, in November of 1986. Right. So I arrived here in November of 86. I was his chief of staff for 80, in 87. And so basically crossed over and became a lobbyist and at the same time worked on campaigns and advised uh, political figures in the state beginning in 88. How, do we, how about if we start off by saying, why did you resign? Because that, that really was a, an earth shaker for me. Well, I am um, 71 years old. There are things that I want to do and say that um, working for a large law firm is uh, you know, is somewhat restricting in that regard. They have a lot of clients, and all the clients don't, dis- don't agree with me. And so uh, this gives me more freedom. I just uh, can't imagine you haven't
0: had that freedom in the past, though, because you have been outspoken on just about everything, at least— to my knowledge,
1: well, I have here. I have exercised that freedom, but often to the chagrin of my partners, ah. particularly those in offices that are not in Florida and don't know me that well. Um, they, generally speaking, are not looking for colorful or interesting or outspoken. They're just looking for someone who builds the bottom line <laughs> and true. doesn't.
3: Well, make and there's nothing, mad. Wrong,
1: there's nothing wrong with that. They're in business. I have uh, always taken a different path in that regard and it has served me well so far and you know i feel strongly about things that are going on in the state and in the country right now i want to be able to raise my voice and be heard to whatever extent anyone will listen to me and i am fortunately at a point in my life where i can afford principles understood what's your take on the whole impeachment drama that's now playing out in dc It's really interesting to me. There is no question in my mind um, that Donald Trump committed the impeachable offenses of which he's accused. I have no question in my mind that if it was just a case being tried in front of a a jury for someone whose name wasn't Donald Trump, that the case has been proven largely by circumstantial evidence, but beyond a reasonable doubt. And to me at least – Trying to use the power of the presidency to coerce a foreign nation to interfere on your behalf in an American election is about as clear an impeachable offense, if you've ever read the Federalist Papers, as um, I can imagine. It's certainly more serious to me than Nixon's attempt to cover up what he called, you know, what was, has been characterized as a third-rate, third-rate burglary. burglary yeah. um, but I think the difference... Between now and then, then Republicans stepped forward and basically told Nixon it was time to leave office and thus he avoided the technicality of impeachment. But now with um, Twitter, other social media, Fox News, 24-hour news, um, and the Trump cult, um, saying almost almost saying anything negative about him, much less actually opposing him, is the kiss of death. And Republicans currently are not very long on courage in that regard. You know, I used to like to think. um, And I remember a conversation I had with Catherine Harris about this during the recount that, you know, most politicians really do run for the right reasons. They want to make a difference and they think they're leaders and they think that if the time ever comes when they're called upon to step up in some crisis, to do the right thing, to defend the Constitution, that they will. This, unfortunately, for the Republicans in Congress right now, proves that no, they won't. Uh, They're cowards. Why do you think this is going on? I mean, how does the the party of Ronald Reagan
0: start basically going along with, with Russian propaganda?
1: Well, as you'll recall over the years, and I'm as much at fault in encouraging and exploiting this as anyone, there's always been an element in the Republican Party. That was, how shall I say this, crazy as run over dogs. Um, you can go back That's as far, it. Yeah. yeah. You can go back as far as the John Burchers who thought Dwight Eisenhower uh, was, was a, a communist, communist. Yeah. and come all the way forward to right now to uh, the Trump supporters who think John McCain was a traitor. Uh, and they were always there. They were frequently exploited during campaigns for their votes and for their enthusiasm. But they were manageable, uh, which sounds very cynical, but it's the truth. What it, and the last time, uh, I'll give you an example. Remember in two thousand six, when uh, Charlie Crist and Tom Gallagher were in a Republican primary. Right, right. Uh, Gallagher had reinvented himself as a um, right wing religious conservative, which just so, made all of us lose it completely. Those of ex- us who knew Tom exactly, yeah. but that you know that was that was the presentation. And uh, Charlie was more of a moderate towards the center. And so he was under tremendous pressure uh, because of what Tom was doing to be drawn to the right. And some of us advised him, you know, don't eat the poison candy. Stay where you are. It'll serve you better in the general election. You need to be closer to the center. And he didn't eat the uh, poison candy and he beat Gallagher two to one. Gallagher got that 30 the 35 percent I was talking about. Right. But since 2006 because of a confluence of events including the global transition from an industrial economy to a service economy um the um breakneck neck pace of cultural change whether it's gay rights or whatever in america that's so royal of the culture especially the culture that is the very conservative bedrock of the party and um the continued browning Of America if you will the demographic changes Ah. that is exemplified by the fear of integration by Trump race baiting which resonates so much with those people all of those things came together and that small generally stable minority in the Republican Party metastasized and became a majority Trump's genius was that he sensed the rot in the republican party that the rest of us in the establishment did not see or at least didn't appreciate the depth of and so rather than running as a third party candidate and losing like george wallace or ross perot he had the vision to hijack the party of ronald reagan and now that party is held captive by that same constituency
0: that they used to use do you see a, a path out of this for the gop can they ever get back to where they're not relying on this base?
1: Well, there would have to be fundamental changes um, or, or at least people becoming accustomed to fundamental changes in the economy, uh, in society, status. And I don't know how it'll turn out. I can't, I can't see that far down the road. There's a, there's a book that I read last year that was a very good book called uh, How Democracies Die by two Harvard professors. And they talked about a lot of things, but one of the things they said that resonated with me is that there is no example in history in which a dominant ethnic majority gracefully became a not-dominant minority. And I think that's what we're living through right now. Uh. If the Republican Party does not change direction, if it doesn't take the outreach approach that Jeb Bush and others recommended in the autopsy report we did after After Obama's second win, uh, then I I fear that it's going to become an ethnic, regional, minority party concentrated in rural areas. Which frankly would be a tragedy, because growing up, some
0: of my greatest heroes were the Republicans who stood, they weren't the, the ultra right, they were the ones who took a moderate position and looked They were not only social conservatives, they were fiscal conservatives, but they didn't let the socialism thing drive them crazy. Whatever happened to all those people?
1: I think that the politicians, as maybe should be the case, changed with their constituents. As their constituents became, uh, as there was more anger, angst, and envy, they came to Represent that more and more. I mean, all you need to do talking about impeachments is compare. You know, some of your listeners may not be old enough to appreciate this comparison, but compare Howard Baker with Lindsey Graham. (laughs) For for those of you who don't know,
0: it's a stark, stark comparison. Yeah, it is. It's Howard Baker was the one who told Nixon basically,
1: "It looks bad." Maybe Howard Baker was a conservative. Senator from Tennessee, widely respected, and he respected the Constitution, he respected the process, he respected the people on the other side of the aisle, and he made a decision that was best for the country. It is unimaginable that anyone in the United States Senate who is a registered Republican now will do so with the possible exception of maybe three or four out of 53. All because of the cult of Donald Trump. Exactly right. Exactly right. Are you worried about our democracy? I am worried about our democracy. I, I know this sounds melodramatic, but I believe that we are at a what are, what are all the cliches? An inflection point, a watershed moment in American history. A tipping point. A tipping point. I believe Donald Trump um, is an exi- existential threat. To American democracy as it has existed until now. He batters the guardrails of democracy every day, whether it's a free press, whether it's the very concept of objective truth, whether it's an independent judiciary. Um, he's a dangerous man. Mac has plenty more to say about the state of politics today.
0: Part two of his interview tomorrow on Sunrise. Your calendar of events begins with the Suncoast Connector Task Force, which is meeting on a project extending the Suncoast Parkway by 150 miles from Citrus County all the way to Jefferson County. They'll be meeting in Taylor County at 9 a.m. at the IFAS Auditorium in Perry. Senate President Bill Galvano is holding a breakfast and media avail at 9 this morning to answer questions about the upcoming legislative session. The Criminal Justice Estimating Conference meets at 9 in the Capitol Complex to analyze issues in the criminal justice system. The St. Petersburg College Board of Trustees will hold a strategic planning workshop at 9 a.m., followed by a board meeting at the epicenter in Clearwater. The Space Florida Investment Committee will hold a conference call at 9 a.m. They'll be discussing the Cape Canaveral Spaceport Indian River Bridge replacement and the Space Commerce Way Connector Project. Staff members for Senator Marco Rubio will be available to meet with constituents in three different counties today. They'll be at the Brevard Metron's Memorial Center on Merritt Island at 9, the Jefferson County Public Library in Monticello at 9, and the Leon County Branch Library in Woodville at 2.30. The Office of Insurance Regulation is holding a hearing at 10 in Tallahassee to talk about a proposal by Edison Insurance Company to increase property insurance rates for homeowners. The State Investment Advisory Council meets at 1 o'clock in Tallahassee, The Social Services Estimating Conference meets at 1.30 in the Capitol Complex to check expenditures in the KidCare Subsidized Health Insurance Program. And the Florida Public Service Commission will hold a customer meeting in Polk County about proposed rate changes for Deer Creek RV Golf and Country Club, which provides wastewater service. And it's time once again to check in with Florida Man, who sometimes wears a uniform. A Florida man who worked for 20 years as a Miami Beach police officer is arrested after the owner of a valet company turned him in for demanding $1,000 in cash every month in exchange for not issuing parking citations. 57-year-old Dante Zirio was arrested during a sting operation after the owner of APS Parking gave him a payment during a conversation captured on video. He is charged with extortion, bribery, and accepting unlawful compensation for official behavior. Finally, a Florida man working as a security guard outside the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Office in Miramar threatened to pepper spray activists because they were bringing water and juice for children standing in line. ICE's Miramar facility has become infamous for its long lines, scarce shade, and limited parking. Also, restrooms available to accommodate the hundreds of immigrants waiting outside on any given day. Well, let's just say there aren't many of them. But when one of the activists asked if he could give some water to the kids, the guard told him to go away and began shaking a canister of pepper spray and then threatened to have him arrested. The guard did end up calling a Miramar Police Department, which sent two officers. No arrests were made, no one was hurt, and no one got sprayed. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the inky depths of Florida politics.